You're listening to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. The Simple View of Reading and Scarborough's Reading Rope are two models or visual representations that show how we learn to read that we've seen everywhere when people talk about the science of reading. Hugh Katz, researcher and professor at Florida State University, will dive into these models and where they came from, how they're meant to be interpreted for reading instruction, and more. Hi, teacher friends. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two educators who want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. We worked together in Baltimore when the district adopted a new literacy curriculum. We realized there was so much more to learn about how to teach reading and writing. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning with you today. Hi, teacher friends. Welcome back. This is our second episode in a series where Hugh Katz is here to help us break down some popular reading models or visual representations that many of us are familiar with. In the first episode in this series, 177, we talked about the five pillars from the National Reading Panel. And in this episode, we'll focus on two very popular models or visual representations, the simple view of reading and Scarborough's Reading Rope. All right. So let's start with the simple view of reading. Hugh, I know our listeners are familiar with this one, but can you give us a breakdown, a simple breakdown <laughs> before before we dive into talking about it even more? Yeah. Well, let me start a little bit about the history of, of, the, of, the, of this uh, model. Um, I found out about the model really early on and really liked it. So I was an early adopter of, of the simple view of reading. It was uh, proposed uh, back in the late 80s, actually mid-80s, uh, 1986, by uh, Phil Goff and his doctoral student at the time, uh, Bill Tunmer. And then a couple years later, Wes Hoover, which was another uh, doctoral student um, at the time, uh, wrote a paper. And they were working within the height of whole language uh, era, yeah. and they were particularly in interested in uh, word reading and the importance of word reading instruction in teaching kids to read. Uh, so they proposed a model of reading comprehension, which was that reading comprehension was a product of decoding, which they meant by that word recognition more generally, and linguistic comprehension or language comprehension or what later on what has been referred to as, as listening comprehension. And it was the product rather than the addition, because if you didn't have uh, an ability in one area, it led to no ability in reading comprehension. So if you couldn't read words at all, you didn't have a have comprehension. And it, it served the purpose of highlighting the importance of, of word recognition, that word recognition was used to convert print into language and then the individual would use their language processing that overlaps with what they do in listening comprehension to understand uh, the text. And uh, I was drawn to it because I was came out of the field of communication disorders and, and had been talking about the, the importance of language in reading comprehension. And uh, so in the early 90s, uh, I actually went and... Uh, uh, 
did a sabbatical in New Zealand where Bill Tunmer had taken a job there. And, and uh, we spent uh, some time talking about, uh, the, about language and its role in, in, in uh, reading comprehension. And, and doing, he was quite the outdoorsman. So we did, we did a, a bit of hiking. They call it tramping out there. Uh, we actually climbed the volcano um, and were you talking about reading the whole time? No, we we were we were basically trying to work our way up and and down and 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 miss did a mistiming and ended up coming down the last port portion of the volcano in the dark, which was kind of scary. But anyway, <laughs> well, we made it down. But uh, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, I came back to the to the states and. Uh, uh, did a number of studies in, in uh, using the, the simple view and looking at the contributions of word reading and, and uh, language comprehension uh, to reading comprehension. And what we found was what you might expect, that in the early grades, most of the variability in how well kids understood what they read was dependent upon how well they recognized words. Right? But over the early grades, second, third grade, what we started to see was language comprehension ability started to, to explain unique variants in, in reading, that individual differences in kids' uh, language comprehension uh, abilities accounted for more of the variance in, in, in reading comprehension. We also did uh, some uh, studies looking at, at groups of, of readers who had problems in one area and not the air, not both or both areas. So we would find a group of uh, children who had problems in word reading, but not language comprehension. And we would refer to those kids as having dyslexia, right? So that's kind of the, the traditional notion of, of dyslexia is specific problems in, in word reading toward the other group of, of kids that have problems in, in language comprehension, but not in word reading, were referred to as poor comprehenders or children with specific comprehension uh, deficit. And we and others have looked at uh, what might underlie those difficulties. And coming from a language background, we focused on their, uh, their language ability and looked at their vocabulary, grammar, discourse, and found that indeed they had problems in those areas. One thing we missed at the time was that their problem in language was rather moderate compared to their difficulties in reading comprehension. Right? And, and I'll talk about it in a minute. It's more involved in comprehension than language comprehension, if you will. I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay. Right? Um, and and then there were there were there were dozens, if not more than a hundred studies in the uh, in the ten years. Uh, you know, in the early part of, of 2000s, looking at this simple, simple view, right? Um, and so it, it's got a long tradition within research and in helping us better understand um, reading. Is there anything that you think our listeners should be aware of with this model? I mean, it's very, very simple. So that's one thing. You know, and I don't, I think that's the intent of it, right? I mean, that's to to really simplify it and break it down to like the most simple components. I mean, I appreciate it. I also think it's not the be all end all, but I don't think it was meant to be. It often get asked is a simple view too simple. Well, actually it's not for its purpose. It's original purpose. So it's original purpose, as I said before, was to highlight the importance of word reading. 
And that's what Goff and Tunmer and Wes Hoover had in mind. But what happened, the researchers looked at individual aspects of word reading and of language comprehension in the research that was done and in the models that came out of that. But what happened when it started to move its way into reading instruction, people began to think about those as two different aspects of of reading. And uh, and there should be instruction for word reading and instruction for language comprehension. And the way it's seen in models, that's a bit problematic because the visual representations have decoding or word recognition, whatever you want, and language comprehension in the same size fonts, they're in the same size boxes or circles or whatever they might be. And again, this is a case of a visual image leading us to some false uh, expectations or realizations. In this case, that those two, word reading and language comprehension, are somewhat similar in terms of their complexity and, and malleability. And again, even though we know that's not the case, right? the idea is that, that we could work on word recognition. Now let's go work on language comprehension. Okay? And both of those are complex, but it, it certainly downplays the complexity of language comprehension. The other problem with, with the model, a potential problem with the model, is that the name language comprehension is misleading because it leads us to believe that it is language comprehension or language understanding. Right? And as I said, that study that we did earlier showed that, yes, these kids had language problems, but they didn't have near the degree of language difficulty that they had with their reading comprehension. It also led to people doing studies in which they tried to improve language abilities, vocabulary, grammar, text level um, uh, comprehension. And, and to expect that you'd have rather immediate effects on reading comprehension. Right? And that's what happened in a number of the studies that were part of the Reading for Understanding initiative. Um, I was part of one group. Uh, there, but there were there were five different groups, and a number of the groups uh, trained language abilities, uh, and then looked to see the impact on standardized tests or reading comprehension, and found very limited impact on standardized tests of, of reading comprehension. In part because there was a mismatch; the language that was taught wasn't always overlapped with what was on the particular text. But there's lots more to comprehension uh, than one's ability to understand language. There's the knowledge that that's involved in understanding the particular uh, topic that one is, is reading about. And that was missing in many of the early uh, uh, discussions of language comprehension, the role of knowledge uh, in creating an understanding about what one reads. So I feel like this might be a good time to move on to Scarborough's reading rope because you know, they, they have very similar categories in the word recognition and the language comprehension and leading to reading comprehension, but it's a little more detailed. So do you want to talk a bit about how it came to be? Yeah, sure. So people uh, did attempt to, to 
divide these uh, two areas, if you will, of reading up into so-called components or or, or variables that are involved in either word reading or, or uh, language comprehension. And Hollis was one of the people that did that early on. I think she did it in a book chapter in 2001. And that's Hollis and, Scarborough. And right? Hollis Scarborough, yes, Hollis Scarborough um, in 2001. And uh, I recognized that I, I read that paper and right away thought, oh, this is this is a really useful model to teach kids about or uh, uh, teach teachers about what's involved in reading and, and to understand the complexity and the interaction of different components that were missing in some of the other, other models. And as the story goes, uh, Hollis was uh, trying to explain the different uh, components of, of, of uh, word reading and language comprehension to teachers and educators, and she was using pipe cleaners. So you know, you date this. I mean, we haven't seen pipe cleaners in a while, but the idea was that you could show how these how these different components were interrelated by weaving together the pipe cleaners. But as the story goes, it, it eventually turned into strands of the rope, and we had strands of, of rope that were involved in language comprehension and strands of rope that were involved in in uh, word recognition, and then those two were wrapped together to to end up with the reading rope, which is a combination of these. And you know, right off, it does a nice job of showing the how the the different things we talk about as components of reading are actually interactive in their in their nature and in their in their development. So what uh, Hollis did was divide language comprehension down into a number of different areas, starting with background knowledge. So she recognized right away that that the key to understanding what one reads is having some knowledge about that particular topic, right? That background knowledge is an essential in, in building a coherent understanding of whatever it, it might be. Right? Um, and then... Uh, the the next strand was vocabulary, which is related to background knowledge. But the difference between vocabulary and knowledge is that vocabulary refers to uh, the uh, a particular entity that we're defining and using and whatever. And knowledge is a combination of related words. They are related ideas into a into a, a more coherent understanding of a particular topic area. Uh, she also talked about language structures, which she meant their uh, grammar and how uh, uh, grammar was important in understanding language. And we know that the grammar of written text and classroom lectures is a lot more complex than the grammar that that we might use in everyday conversation. It also goes to discourse level uh, aspects of language, um, it, how we join sentences together or parts of text together. So how we use however, nevertheless, even though those words are used to draw to connect different ideas within a text. And that's what she was referring to in language structures. 
she also included verbal reasoning in there that we can have a good deal of knowledge about a particular topic, but to understand it, we have to think about it, right? If we're going to remember what we read, we have to engage in in uh, uh, thought processes about that particular uh, topic. And that's where strategies come in. Reading strategies are, are ways to think about what we're reading. Um, and, uh, and, and I'll talk a little bit a minute about it's also the ways we might think about, uh, about uh, uh, listening as well. Right? We could use strategies there to think about what, what uh, teachers are talking about and so forth. And then lastly, she, the last aspect of that was literacy knowledge, and that refers to our print awareness, also uh, genre and how books work. You know, books have a particular structure so that uh, a book would, uh, narratives have a story grammar to them to where, to where other texts, uh, an opinion text has a certain way that it's laid out, a descriptive text has a way that it's laid out. And so forth. So we can quickly see the complexity of of language comprehension, right? I mean, it's more than this box that that's labeled with language. That that it's a very complex uh, uh, cognitive activity to understand what you read, um, even when you've already turned it into language through the word recognition module, if you will. And very quickly there, what she talked about was, was uh, decoding ability. That was the ability to, to uh, understand how, how uh, our graphemes correspond to phonemes and being able to decode a word, sight word reading, phonological awareness. And that blended together. And I think she would put fluency up in the, in the blending together of comprehension and, and, uh, 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 link, uh, language comprehension and word word reading. Quick question for you, Hugh. When you mentioned the students who um, were struggling with language comp- comprehension, their language comprehension was not as bad as the reading comprehension. They struggled more with the reading comprehension. Is it because of these things that you just talked about? Like it's more complex than... I wouldn't wouldn't say the language comprehension because what we, we thought was language comprehension meant language understanding, vocabulary, grammar, uh, like some aspects of discourse. So we taught, we, we texted those, tested those very specifically, right? We didn't test, for example, listening comprehension. So you read, read a text and, and kids uh, would, we measure their ability to understand that, that text, if you will. Those kids would probably have trouble with that as as well, because that also involves knowledge about a topic, the ability to understand how the text that you're reading uh, goes together, and, and so forth. So it's more to do with with uh, 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 measuring uh, the the knowledge that's in uh, that's in those passages, the, the the verbal reasoning that one engages in in using language to understand text. Right. So so uh, that was what was missing in our study. The kids did have language problems, but they were they were rather moderate compared to much more severe reading difficulties. Well, is there anything I mean, I mean, the the rope sounds great that <laughs> it went into so much more detail. Yeah, I, I like it as a visual representation for for highlighting the uh, 
the aspects that are involved in in reading, but again, recognizing that these things are best taught uh, in a uh, in a in a way that they that they seen as interacting, so that language comprehension is taught within a particular purpose and a particular topic for an extended period of time. And, and that's what the, the new content-rich uh, literacy programs uh, do, is they teach uh, kids about how to form coherent understandings of text that build on each other over, over time. And frankly, we could use some of these same principles within listening comprehension, right? teaching kids how to best extract and understand information from teacher discussions that take place in, in classrooms, right? How do you take notes? How do you, how do you check your comprehension? Are you monitoring your comprehension? What do you do if you don't understand? So forth. And, and I always thought it was interesting that, that we wouldn't think about this with listening comprehension, but with reading comprehension, that's all we thought about to a certain extent, what was the was the strategies that we might use to where both share the same principles or the same purpose, let's say, of understanding the text or in the case of, of literature, appreciating the story or whatever it might be. Was there anything about the word recognition side of the reading rope that you wanted to point out? No, I mean, I, I think I covered that in, in the and others, uh, the components that I, I, I've talked about, or other models that, I, that I've talked about. But I, I could say again here that we would think about that in an interactive fashion, that we're not going to teach. Uh, I, I would point out that, that there's this idea that we'd have to teach uh, phonological awareness up to some level of expertise before we can teach about the alphabetic principle. Right? And that's not the case because what what we were doing with the phonological awareness is, is having kids appreciate the sound structure of language to the level at which they can learn how the alphabetic principle works, that the letters of the alphabet correspond to the sounds within, within the language. Much of what you and I know about phonological awareness are actually the result of reading, not what we knew prior to reading. Reading actually has a, a huge impact on our thinking about print. We see print as, as segmental, right? and print is not segmental. As I, I'm sorry, speech is not segmental. As I'm speaking to you now, it's just one big long stream of, of auditory energy. But having learned how to spell and, and read, we think of it as being broken up into individual segments. And it's not. And it's not. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is so helpful and so interesting to go really deep into each model, each representation. So thank you for being here to do that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Nice talking with you guys. Yes. And in our next episode, Hugh's back one more time to share with us a model focused on comprehension. So we can't wait to keep learning with you. To stay connected with us, sign up for our email list at literacypodcast.com, join our Facebook group, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. 
If this episode resonated with you, take a moment to share with a teacher friend or leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just a quick reminder that the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast are not necessarily the opinions of Great Minds PBC or its employees. We appreciate you so much, and we're so glad you're here to learn with us.